welcome to the Jesuit Institute Hour here on Radio Veritas. My name is Francis Correa and I'm going to be with you for the next hour. This morning we're going to be talking first to Mervyn Abrahams, who's the director of PAXA, about the statement that PAXA has just released around their issues and problems that they see with the new minimum wage. And a little bit later in the show we'll be talking to Reverend Trevor Hudson, who's a Methodist minister, who has been working in collaboration with us at the Jesuit Institute for some years now. And this year, he and Father Anthony Egan and Father Russell Pollitt put their heads together and they've written together a Lent book, a book of Lenten reflections, called Deepening Friendship with God. And so we'll be talking about the new book and also perhaps talking a little bit to him about his involvement with the Jesuits and how that has been for him. Mervyn, and welcome to Radio Veritas. Thank you. Good morning, Francis, and good morning to all your listeners. Thank you. So, PAXA has just put out a statement in which you're basically challenging that the national minimum wage of 3,500 rand is too low, and just quoting from the statement, and could trap millions of workers in continuing cycles of poverty. Do you want to just explore for us a little bit what some of the key problems PAXA sees economically with um, the minimum wage are? Uh, Francis, the, our contention is that a minimum wage, which is a floor below which no wages should be paid in the country, so it's a basic wage right across the country, needs to be set at a level that provides the ability of workers to provide basic, the, the essential goods and services that the household requires. Mm-hmm. If that's not done, uh, as in the case of 3,500, because according to our research around Peter Maritzburg, for a household to, have a, 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 to live at a basic level of dignity requires something in the region of about 8,000 rand. Mm. So to set the wage at 3,500 rand per month is setting it at such a low level, which actually will entrench poverty later on. And one of the the, uh, things we can quote to that is that we do know from statistics that each worker, black worker, supports four members of a household on that one wage. And when a wage of 3,500 is dispersed throughout the household of five, we then end up with a figure of 875 rand per capita for each member of the household. And in fact, that is below the upper bound poverty line, uh, which, is, which stands at the moment at just over a thousand rand. So it entrenches a poverty wage. Okay, so there, there really are two things coming into play here that I think are quite important to, to see how they interact. Um, the one is you're talking about the unemployment rate in the country, and the other is the minimum wage. And the, uh, correct? And, and that because we have such high unemployment, that because we're looking at, at a minimum of um, an unemployment rate of 25%, but in reality it's much higher, we know that, um, that we're looking at, at those people who are working having to support not only uh, their own children, but having to support other dependents and well, and often being the only, bread, only one breadwinner per family, if there is one. Exactly. 
Exactly. And, and, and that takes us to the other area that, that PAXA has been, been talking about for a while, and that is that, that any wage agreement, so a national minimum wage, should also be accompanied by a review of the social security system of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, because we are aware of the fact that uh, smaller businesses, might not be able to pay at the level of a minimum that we require uh, or that we think is a reasonable level to set, which is Mm 8,000. And that can be taken care of by a social security system. So in a sense, what we in PACS are asking for is for a review of how we deal with this level of economic stagnation that we've got in this country, a crisis of affordability at household levels. And, and we're going to have to think outside of just the strict boxes of what wages can a company pay um, and then look at, at another level, social security, at another level, the whole kind of indigent policies around municipalities. But can we bring that together and can we begin to reimagine a different type of economic model that would ensure households a basic level of dignity? Right. So there you're really talking about a, a serious engagement between between the private sector, between government, but also recognizing that there are different there are differences between small employers, medium employers and big employers and, and, and what they can afford and how they can engage in this. Exactly. And in the light of that, you know, as PAXA we we operate from the principle of solidarity. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we believe that solidarity must become a critical principle in reshaping and transforming the South African economy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and one of the consequences of solidarity that we would like to see is the social dialogue in which those who are able to pay more commit to paying more because it will stimulate our economy and because it's good for our society. Mm. And, 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 and so in this whole scenario of this conversation should also be the whole question around corporate tax, for instance. Mm. Corporate tax has been lowered in the last few years in South Africa on the assumption that lowering of corporate tax will increase employment. Of course, there is no necessary connection between these two things, but that was the intended consequence. Um, and what we have seen is, is that the, the, even though the, the corporate tax has been dropped significantly, uh, the impact in terms of employment was minimal. So and, that, and so that's also part of the discussion that, that needs to be had. So, so, so again, it was, kind of, it was using a particular economic tool, hoping it would have a, an outcome, but not, but, but not really building in the process for a review to say, well, after a set period of time, has it had the outcome we want? And is it the right tool? And is it the right tool? But also, it is, it is the framework, Francis. For us, it's the framework. Mm-hmm. Um, what we are the economic framework. Currently, South Africa, we are working through a very new liberal kind of framework. So, for instance, the question that's been asked is, how much can a company pay a worker mm-hmm. in terms of setting the national minimum wage? The question was not asked. What does it require a worker to live at a level of dignity? 
And so, so, so where the starting point of the conversation is, because at the end, the economy is about ensuring that, that the resources in society is so divided that, that everyone has access to a basic level uh, of dignity. I mean, that's, that's what the economy should aim towards. That's where microeconomic policy should aim towards. Mm. But at the moment, we are using different kinds of new liberal instruments, and perhaps the questions we are asking are not the correct questions. Okay, so let's, let's turn our minds perhaps a little bit to, to what are the correct questions. And as, you, as you're thinking about some of these answers, just bearing in mind for a moment that we are in a Catholic radio station, I know you have a theological background. You, if you want to start throwing in some of those theological ideas, that would also be helpful. But what, what do you think would be helpful questions that we should be asking as we think about things like a minimum wage? I think the first principle, which is also a, a principle that emanates from Catholic social teaching, is that a wage is not for the exclusive use of just the person who works. Mm -hmm. But we have to look at wages in terms of how it contributes to the family, to the household. Mm. And, and that is already a principle established in Rerum Novarum by Pope Leo XIII in 1891. That, that when we look at wages, we should ask ourselves, why does a person go out to work in the first instance? The person goes out to work both to contribute to the good of society, but also that they are selling their labor in return for, a money, for money that they believe would be able to provide to help them provide for their household. And so the question around household affordability then is critical in any setting of wages. So, so, so it is, but of course that is an idea which is grounded theologically, which, which comes from a concept of what is good for society, but is an idea that does not often find traction within our current economic model. <laughs> Yeah. And, 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 and so I think, I mean, our wish is, is that the church would begin to raise these questions in the public domain, to begin a shift into a different direction. Okay, the other principle, I think, that is really of, of, of critical importance, and that is the principle of solidarity. Mm -hmm. And the principle of solidarity is, is, is grounded in the fact that, that we are all social beings, which is also another matter which is raised throughout the history of Catholic social teaching. And, and solidarity requires that those who are able to, to contribute more to the good of society should do so to help those who do not have sufficient. And, and so that is also what we are not seeing in our economic policy. And, and when we take that a little further, I would want to argue that we have to begin to look at wages, and at poverty as a relational. So, for instance, low wages are in relation to excessive wages. Mm -hmm. uh, in our statement, we had mentioned that, that the average for a CEO uh, of a company listed on the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, the, 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 the hourly average is about 45,000 rand. Wow. So, so 20 rand per hour versus 45,000 rand per hour. So, so there is a relationship between excessive wealth and low wages, as there is a relationship between excessive wealth and poverty. And, and I think that is part of the debate that we need to bring in uh, surface a bit more. Okay, so we're, we're talking here really about, I mean, I, I quite like that 
that distinction between the 20 hours, the 20 rand an hour, and the 45,000, which is just, it's just a, it's, it's in some ways an almost an unthinkable amount. It is. It is. When you, I, mean, I mean, I could not. I double-checked my figures. And these are figures from the Bloomberg survey on right. CEOs that was released last year. I, 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 as we were working with these figures, we kept on going back and saying we've made a mistake somewhere uh, because it's just so difficult to fathom. And, and, of course, these have economic consequences. We know from global research that those who earn the, the highest wages tend to, to spend their money on imported goods, while those who earn lower wages tend to spend their money on locally produced goods. Mm. So when we ask, well, wh- how does the wage contribute to the economy, then it, it is in fact better to raise the lower wages cap the top wages because the likelihood is that the, that the lower paid workers would spend their money at spaza shops, they would spend the money at locally produced goods, which in turn could stimulate our economy and our economic growth. Mm. Wow, I mean it's just, it's, it's a phenomenal, it's, it's just, it's a phenomenal amount. I, I, I'd, I'd seen in the statement where you said it was, the difference was f- over 500 times higher, but when you actually say 45,000 rand, it kind of it, it jars. It, it really shocks one because, you know, it's, um, it's, I'm kind of wondering where all these people are and what on earth are they doing? With, with, with a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> with so much well, I mean, there are not that many JSE-listed CEOs, that's but true. it's also the principle. No, no, it that's It's the true. principle of, of a society that is prepared to tolerate that. And, and it is the very same people who earn the 45,000 rand that argues that their companies cannot pay any more or, or, or cannot even pay the 20 rand per hour. So, so it, 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 and, and these are not bad people. It is just, from our perspective, it is the framework from which, from which we analyze our society. So there's, there is there a, a real sense of um, questions about justice, questions, yeah, questions about the common good. You know, how, how, how does this contribute to the common good? Um, how, does, how can this, this vast difference between, between salaries possibly contribute to um, a society that is cohesive. Yes. We, we have been saying for some time now, uh, of course it's not PAXA-generated research, it's, it's research generated in other parts of the world, that countries with the lower levels of inequality, and of course there will always be inequality, mm. but, 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 but countries where there and societies where there are low levels of inequality tend to be more cohesive, tend to, to rate higher on the happiness index, tend to rate much higher on the index of well-being, tend to have less crime. And, and so these are all the social benefits mm-hmm. uh, uh, that comes with being in solidarity and, and, and redistribution. And so, so the middle class, uh, even though the middle class is also under stress, but I think each one of us should ask ourselves, if I contribute a bit more whether it be through taxation or whether it be through cross-subsidization in terms of paying my electricity bill or my water bill to someone, I'm in fact investing in the future society in which my children will grow up. And I would want that society to be a society where there's less crime, greater social cohesion, greater happiness and greater well-being. 
Can I can I just ask one of the critical questions I have uh, criticising kind of the existence of a minimum wage for starters or um, raising the minimum wage and and you kind of you alluded to it in a way when we're talking about small businesses is the whole area of entrepreneurship and small businesses that start up and um, I've accompanied some people through the through the other work that I do as a spiritual director who kind of start small businesses which often my experience is it sort of seems to take entrepreneurs three or four tries before they seem to get something off the ground. Yeah. And when they start hearing things like a minimum wage, even of one so low as this, um, they, they kind of freak out because they're probably not earning much more than that themselves or possibly less as they try to get these kind of projects off the ground. Is there, is there a way, is there a way to think about, well, firstly, what do we we know that entrepreneurship is one of the ways to to boost an economy yeah. what about the fears that a minimum wage will discourage that i think i think we have to explain it well mm-hmm. i think that uh, as has already been agreed that there will be exemptions okay. to certain sectors that can motivate that they are unable to pay that Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the, the current minimum of 20 rand per hour, 3,500 per, per month, or, or depending how many hours you work. So, so there are mechanisms um, to deal with small businesses or entrepreneurs. Um, as PAXA, we have asked in the past that, that the state structure its taxation uh, regime in such a way that it stimulates uh, uh, um, small businesses and, and entrepreneurship. So, for instance, we could foresee in any discussion, as I've alluded to, a broad discussion around the economy and not just one on wages, we could foresee something to the extent that, that uh, a certain kind of tax breaks mm-hmm. for small entrepreneurs or even the level of government subsidies to help small entrepreneurs who, for instance, has a, a very low turnover and, and, of course, employ two or three or four people, as has been the case with, with the youth subsidy, for instance, mm. that, that's in fact being used by, 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 by very large corporations. So, so, so that is precisely what we're saying, is we tend to deal piecemeal with these issues rather than saying, uh, this is the level of dignity we want for everyone, including the small, uh, small trader, the entrepreneur. How do we structure all the instruments at our disposal to serve that objective? And so corporate tax should also be able to serve that objective. Okay. And in that sense, uh, and subsidies from the state to entrepreneurs could also help, particularly entrepreneurs who are trying to boost employment. Hmm. So what you... What I'm hearing as you're speaking is really about completely changing our viewpoint. That at the moment we kind of come at it, it seems to me, from a top-down viewpoint of a, this is what we should impose on, on society. And what you're saying is if we start with what is needed for basic human dignity, then we have to look at what state support needs to be in place and what... Um, wage support needs to be in place and applying that in different sectors to make sure that the basic needs of human dignity are fulfilled in each situation. Exactly, Francis. That's exactly what, 
what, what, what, what Pax's position has been all along. And that requires that we have a totally different mindset, that we start looking at the economic issue differently. But of course, we're also well aware that there's a hegemonic idea around the economy that is very, very difficult to, to, to break through. Mm. And, and it does seem to me, I mean, as I, watched, as I watch Parliament occasionally, it does seem to me um, that one of the things that, I, that I'm struck by with Parliament is that, that those in power seem to understand their role as being similar to the leaders of industry rather than to perhaps understand their role out of a servant leadership model, just to lean into another Catholic thought there. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And it is precisely being a servant, a servant leader uh, uh, on the ground that, 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 that would allow our parliamentarians and, and our state officials to be able to hear the questions that are emerging uh, on the ground rather than we have a solution for you, but together to find a solution to say, you know, how do we approach the economic crisis essentially that South Africa is faced? Because with low wages, because with high levels of unemployment, uh, because uh, workers are not able to save, so they are totally dependent on state pensions, for instance, mm-hmm. and, and because we, we are unable to save, we do not have the necessary savings uh, uh, to inject in terms of infrastructural development, we have to borrow money on the international market. Uh, all of these are all interconnected, yeah. and, 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 and we need to have a conversation that actually deals with the interconnected nature of, of, of these economic issues. Wow. And at the end, at the end also, <laughs> it is also a moral question. Yes. And that is why I believe that the voice of the church should be heard. It is a moral question. And I think the Catholic Church is in a fortunate position because it has a history, a tradition of thought uh, 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 around the issues of the economy, around the issues of work, and, 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 and to give content somehow to what we mean by dignity. And the content the Church gives by dignity is at least at the material level, there's also the spiritual level, but at the material level, uh, it, it is about education, it is about shelter, a household, it is about food, and it is about, uh, about the ability to, to live within a society. Mm. Absolutely, and I mean, I'm just, I'm just struck. It's, it's, when you start talking about shelter and food, and it, this is the point at which the church's social teaching and the church's moral teaching kind of come together because we're starting to talk about what is necessary to create the context in which families can thrive. Exactly, exactly. And, and that's where those two teachings kind of come, come right together. We cannot expect families to thrive in situations in which there is not the finances to support them or yes. in which the only way to survive in any way, shape or form is for migrant labor to exist. And that's a whole other question. But but bringing all of that together. Well, I, I, I applaud. I will certainly add my voice to the call for a church discussion on the economy. Yes, and, and I hope that, 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 that one can be initiated soon within our South African context, because I think we do have the resources, uh, both the intellectual resources, the thought, um, to help in, this, in shaping a new understanding and a new way of looking at the economic crisis we face and, and possibly new questions that could open up a totally different terrain. Wow. Well, 
This is inspiring stuff to kind of quote Pope Francis. In every yes. crisis, there is opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you very much, Merman, for sharing your wisdom and time with us and, and the research of PAXA. And uh, I wish you all success with bringing these important questions to the foreground in the South African context. Thank you. Thank you so much, Francis, and thank you to yourself and to others at Radio Veritas for allowing us the space to engage with the broader public on these questions. Excellent. Hope to meet you soon in the flesh, so to speak. Thank you. Okay. Looking forward to that. Goodbye, then. Goodbye. So we were listening there to Mervyn Abrams, who is the director of PAXA down in Peter Maritzburg. Of course, we've spoken to people from PAXA before. They're the group who every month have a look at what is the, um, uh, the, the cost of a basic needs basket, the basic food cost. And I'm looking at their cost at the moment is sitting at 3,034 rand per month for a family of five. And, you know, just as I was talking to Mervyn, the thing that was popping into my mind was if the state took this seriously, then the state would be looking at a basic, basic food basket per month. The fact that that's being done by a church organization, but it's, it's happening in the, in the NGO sector, really gives us a clear indication that the state are not fully behind understanding the driving causes of poverty. And this idea of a food basket is an old one. It's been around in Africa for many years. If we look at other institutions in Africa who, who do track the, the basic cost of um, inflation with regard to basic foodstuffs, we see that again and again they are religious organizations and not states. And I think that's a, a critical thing to just bear in mind and it's also very praiseworthy. So if you want to contribute money to supporting PAX's research, I'm sure they'd be grateful. Um, and we're going to turn to our next item, which is an item of music. So we're going to listen to If the Lord Does Not Build by Dan Shute. <laughs> 